uh, we're actually, our church is only 18 months old, everybody. Can you believe what God's done in 18 months through you? Man, this is, this is absolutely, it's, matter of fact, it deserves a better hand than that. In 18 months, everybody. Because of what God's done through you and, and your family and this amazing team. I love this church for a lot of reasons. I love the worship here. I love the pastor's wife. I love a lot of this church. But I, but I, I love the people that make this church up. Honestly, that's what church is. It's not a building. I mean, we're having church in a movie theater, everybody. It's not that. It's, it's the people that here. I want you to look around at the people that are sitting next to you. Like, not your family. You know they're weird. I'm talking about all the other people around you that kind of look like... One of the things I love about this church, and it's all different sizes and shapes and and colors and cultures and backgrounds, and I got here different ways, ages. We're a multicultural, multi-generational church. We got some people with suits on. Where Eric, stand up, bub. Where you at? Look at that man of God in his suit right there. Yeah, there he is. Like, you're not running for anything. Sit down, bub. And then we got people, we got people in shorts and t-shirt. I love that. And full sleeve tattoos, tattoos all the way up their face. And I love I absolutely people who prefer chocolate. Where's all my chocolate people at? Yeah. People who like vanilla. Where are you at right now? Good. We're gonna have an altar call. There's like two or three of y'all. And just meat eaters and vegans. I don't know why you'd be vegan. Where are all the vegans at? Yeah, you don't have any energy to even woo! You don't have any. You ain't got no energy. You got none. All the meat eaters, where are all the meat eaters at? Yeah. This is Texas. It's beef country. Come on, somebody. If we're going to go out with heart disease, let's go out with a bang. Amen. So I love people who can sing here, people who can't sing. I sit in some in front of y- y'all, and some of you, can, you know, can't. People who can dance, and then and then all the other white people who, can, who, can, who cannot. <laughs> people who like to vacation at the beach. Where are all the beach vacationers at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where are all the mountain vacationers at? People who... Yeah, mountain vacationers are usually the husky people because we could wear more clothes. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all beach people need to consider the mountains. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just, <laughs> uh, you, you, anyway. Some of y'all just vacation wherever your in-laws pay. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing in the world wrong with that. There's some people here who are dog lovers. Where are all the dog lovers at? Yeah. And then there are people who are going to hell that are cat lovers. Where are you at? All like. The cats are only mentioned one time in the Bible. The Bible says the devil, he, he, he moves around like a roaring lion. Is that what it says? It's the only time cats are mentioned in the Bible is, about, is, is the devil. I love how different this church is. I love how there's people that have different stuff and come from different places. Some of us are raised in church. Some of us are raised heathens. Matter of fact, the heathens are my favorite people in the church. Just pagans. Just good, yeah, good old pagans. They still don't know how to behave. Just I love them. But here's something I think we all have in common. As different as everybody is here, I think we all have something in common. There's some things that we all are afraid of. If you're honest, there's some stuff you're afraid of. My little boy is three and a half years old, and he's shaped like a tree stump. He's as big uh, round as he is tall. I don't know where he gets that anyway. So he asked me the other day, he said, Daddy, what are you scared of? Are you scared of dragons? I said, no, no, sir, I am not scared of dragons. Are you scared of spiders? No, sir, Daddy's not scared of spiders. Are you scared of snakes? No, but you listen to me, Daddy's a tough guy. He goes, so you're only scared of mom, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. Everybody's scared of snakes. I really am scared of snakes. Where anybody scared of snakes like me? You're not supposed to slither around with no feet. That's dirty. I'm scared of heights. I'm terrified of heights. I think that's why God made me so short. I'm terrified of heights. I remember the first time, first time Brady and I went to New York City. We love New York. First time we went, we went to the top of the rocks. What you got to do, do all the tourist stuff. And so we went. And I'm also kind of claustrophobic. So you take this elevator. You go all the way, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 stores, however long it is. And, and the longer we rode this elevator, this tight, concealing elevator that seemed like 
hell to me. The, the longer that we rode that, the further to the back of the elevator I, I got. I just started creeping back to the very back. We go, we just keep going and keep going. And, and my wife is not scared of heights, and she's not scared of tight spaces. So she's jumping her. She's that. She's the girl in the elevator at like floor seventy-eight who goes, "Hey, everybody!" And then you jump up and down. You know what I'm talking about? People like that that need to die. And so we get all the way to the top. We get all the way to the top, and the door opens. This is a true story. The door opens my first time in New York City, and I just want to take it all in. And it's absolutely, if you've never been, you got to go. It's absolutely beautiful. You see all the way to the park, and, and it, was, it was the fall, and our first time there was a fall. It was just absolutely magical, but I could not move. I literally was frozen. I'm so terrified of heights. And there's a guy that rides the elevator with you, you know, and kind of, you know, make sure, you know, that people like that don't, don't ruin the elevator. And so... And so he's like, sir, you have to get off. I said, no, I, d- I don't. I promise you I don't. I'll cause a scene, right? <laughs> I don't have to get off. Sir, you have to get off. So Brandy, she's already outside hanging over the balcony, taking, taking selfies of herself. And, you know, and I literally, I get off and I just, I sort of, this is true, I get to the back wall. I've never seen <laughs> over the top of the rock. I've only seen it from the back wall. Like I just walk along the back wall just like this. And I got, I don't know, anybody else scared of heights? Anybody know what I'm talking about right here? I got so scared like I had to sink down. I don't know why I felt like I had to get lower. So I started sinking down the wall like this. I'm terrified of it. Whether you're scared of heights, you're scared of snakes, you're scared of the dark. I was scared of the dark growing up. I used to, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought that if they couldn't see me, then they couldn't get me. So I would cover my, my head all the way up so if a booger man ever came in my room, he would only see my mouth like, <laughs> like that was it. Maybe he would be scared of me, you know, because like a dragon underneath there. Everybody's scared of something. Everybody has fears, but I actually think there's one fear that everybody here has in common. Matter of fact, I think it's, the, it's probably the one thing that all of us have in common, no matter where you come from or what your preferences are or what you like. I think, I think all of us at some point in our life or maybe currently in our life, we all have the same fear, the anxiety of getting stuck. That you feel like the biggest fear of my life is that, I, that I'm going to get stuck in this current situation. Listen, I think the biggest fear you probably have today is that where I'm at is where I'll always be. That how it is is how it will always be. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to change this situation. I'm afraid the marriage that I'm in is going to be the bad marriage that we always have. I'm afraid that the addiction that, I, that I've taken 20 years and can't get past it's just going to be the way it is. I'm afraid that the depression that, I, that, that I'm in and out of and, and I can't seem to break through, that I'm just afraid that it will always be this way. I'm afraid, I, I think most people, I think everybody in the room shares this common fear that what I'm struggling with right now will be what I always struggle with. And honestly, it's the biggest fear. What, what, what do you do? What do you fear will never change in your life? It's, it's the biggest question I want to ask you today. What do you fear? will never change in your life. This is just never going to change. Like I'm always going to have this problem. I'm always going to have this anger issue. I'm always going to have this bitterness. I'm always going to have this addiction. I'm always going to have this. I always go back to the same hurt, the same pain, the same joyless experience. I always go, I feel like I'm stuck in school or I'm stuck at work or I'm stuck in this relationship. It's never going to change. My health is going worse and not better. Things are getting, my bank account's not going to grow. Nothing's ever going to change. We're always going to have family drama. Nothing brings about family drama like a good holiday meal. Amen, everybody. <laughs> I just feel like it's always going to be. I feel like we're living in a soap opera. Anybody ever watch soap operas back in the day? You watch like, like I'm trying, I almost said in living color. That's not a soap opera. 
General Hospital, there you go. You watched General Hospital 25 years ago, and you turned it on tomorrow, and it's the exact same characters everybody say. They've died, they've gone to heaven, they've come back, they've changed, they've, they've transitioned. It's a, everybody's the same. It's, it, it's, uh, they're different races, different genders, but they're all the same people. It's amazing what happens. You just feel like it, everything's the same. Some of you feel like your lives, 25 years ago, same. Same struggle. Things are never going to change. Things are always going to be like this. I feel like I'm living in a soap opera. I'm in a holding pattern. Nothing is changing, and it scares you to death. Listen, it scares you to death to think this is the way it's always going to be. And here's what's so amazing about Easter, everybody. What's so amazing about Easter is that Easter was a game changer. That Easter really is, listen, Easter is not a celebration of Christianity. It's not. Easter is not a celebration of the teachings of Jesus. They are not. Easter is not a celebration of the miracles of Jesus. It is not. Easter is a celebration of a very, very specific event. Easter is what makes Christianity different from all other world religions. It's because Christianity isn't built around just the teachings of a specific person. It isn't built around just new revelation of one person. But Christianity is sort of built around an event. And the event that we celebrate that's the foundation of Christianity is Easter. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen to everybody. Like that changed everything. And, and honestly, if it had not been for this event, there would be no Christianity. If it had not been for the Matter of fact, the only plausible reason why Christianity has spread like it has in the last 2,000 years, literally changing the face of the known world, is because of this event. It's because the tomb really was empty. It's the only, it's the only explanation you can give of why Christianity changed the world. It's because people really did meet Jesus after he had died, after they had buried him. The church got its start because of this event. Not this church. I'm talking about the global church. Got its start. Not because of the teachings of Jesus. Not because Jesus healed blind people. But because Jesus rose from the dead. This event created the church that you're in. It's the reason of our faith. It wasn't because he was such a wise man, such an amazing teacher. It wasn't because he was such a great miracle worker. All those things are true about him. But Christianity would not exist today had it not been for an empty tomb. Everybody shout amen to that. It's central to who we are. Listen, if you pull the resurrection out of Christianity, it has no guts. It's deflated. Christianity's built on the event of this day. Not on the teachings, not on the miracles, but on this event. And I really believe... That the disciples believed it. And they believed it could change their life. In the Gospels, there's four different accounts of the resurrection. And all of them gave a full account with full details. Let me tell you why. Because the story isn't written like a fairy tale or folklore or I heard or once upon a time. But the men who wrote those stories are men who were there. Men who put their lives down. They wrote about it. They preached about it. They were men of passion, men of faith. And they preached about not what they heard. They preached about what they witnessed. What they saw with their own eyes. And every time they preached about it, listen close. Every time they preached about this event, not his teachings, not his miracles. Every time they preached about his resurrection, they were put in prison. They were tortured. They were killed. There may be some skeptics here today that think, man, I I don't know if this whole thing is true or not. But listen to me. Here's the reason why I think you can trust it. Because after they were prison, after they were put in prison, after they were, so some of them beaten horrifically, some of them tortured horrifically. At the, the moment they got out, do you know the message they began to preach again? Not that Jesus was a good teacher. 
Not that he was a miracle worker. They began to tell people again that Jesus was dead and now he's alive. Why do you keep going back to the same stuff? Listen, I'm a pretty good learner. If you tell me one time with a whip and you beat me, I'm pretty good at learning my lesson. You know what I'm trying to say? Unless I believe it. Unless I believe it's so true because I saw him with my own eyes. Because I was there, I know it. It makes me think there had to be something to this whole story. I mean, I, I, it, it makes me think that these, these apostles, these disciples were moved beyond the pain, the beatings in prison because they actually believed that they actually had seen the empty tomb. As a matter of fact, I think that that's true. These disciples were not expecting the resurrection, honestly. I mean, they were, they were, they were kind of hiding you know, in the shadows, kind of skeptics. Anybody know somebody who's skeptical about everything? Where are you at? Are you married to somebody who's skeptical about everything? They just kind of, I just saw a husband look at his wife. You look right at me, buddy. <laughs> you just kind of squint at everything, you know, like skeptical hippos, you know, just kind of looks at you skeptically. Just, I don't know about all this. I, as a preacher, I get to see this most every Sunday. <laughs> Some of you just, I don't know. I don't know if I believe everything that little thing fella says, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about all these disciples were skeptics, honestly, they were probably realists, they, we live in a world of skeptics and people who call themselves realists, and there's no difference except for that first Easter morning, and some ladies make it to the tomb first, where are all my ladies at, where are you at, women, if you don't like women preachers and women in church, you're going to hate the New Testament. You're probably not going to like heaven because I'm going to be honest. All the disciples were in bed asleep, and Mama said, I'll get up. I'll go. I'll go. Come on. Let's go. Get my girls. Put my earrings on. Put my face on. Let's go. Let's get out of here. That's exactly what they, somebody just snapped. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what they did. They show up first, and angels are speaking to them. Jesus himself appears to them. Luke 24 said when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven And to the others, verse 10 of Luke 24, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the others who told this to the apostles. Those disciples were sleeping in, and Mama had to come home and go, Baby, come here. Wake up. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what I just saw. I mean, people don't come back from the dead. This is kind of crazy. Verse 11 says, But they did not believe the women, because this is my life verse as a married man. I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> All the married men know what it means to go. These words seems like nonsense, baby. I don't understand this. Where you at, married men? Y'all know what I'm saying. Peter, however, Peter's this loud mouth. Peter gets up and he ran to the tomb. He, he and his friend John, he gets up and he runs to the tomb. And he bends over and he saw the strips of linen Lying by themselves, and the Bible says he went away, listen close, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, he didn't wonder that it happened. He wondered what had happened to the rest of his life. Because Peter knew what I'm telling you today. Even though it appears like nothing in my life is ever going to change. That everything's the same. That nothing's getting any better. That I'm going to always be this fisherman. I'm going to always have this life. I'm going to always be in this depression. I'm going to always be in this funk. This is always going to be our marriage. But because Peter, for, for himself, with his own eyes, saw the empty tomb. Listen close. He knew this. This changes everything. When Peter goes home and wonders in his heart, he's not wondering whether it happens. I saw it with my own eyes. I know it happened. I'm wondering what we do now. Because this 
this gives me hope that everything in my life can change now. If he rose from the dead, that means that everything he said about himself is the truth. It means everything he said about God and talking to God is the truth. It means that when he told me I could talk to God like my father, that was the truth. It means when he said, God hears me when I pray. That's the truth. It means that what he said about his own death, that it was the payment for my sins, that's the truth, that he paid for my sins. And even though I just denied him three times now, he's paid for me and he loves me and now he rose from the dead. And Peter has this eye-opening experience when he thinks his life cannot change. That this changes everything. Now look at me in the eyes. My hope for you today on Easter is that you know because of this event, not because of the teachings of a wise prophet, not because of the miracles of a man named Jesus of Nazareth, but because of this event, the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus was dead and now he lives again, it really does change everything. That everything in your life can be changed. How many of you know when stuff, like you mark your life by stuff that's changed your life? How many of you remember the first time you, your mama or you got a microwave? Where you at? How many of you remember getting a microwave? You're a little older anyway, whatever. A microwave, but you get a microwave and you think, man, this is like we don't have to sit here and wait on this to cook. Like we can, now we can microwave everything in 30 seconds and we can have a semi-decent, you know, whatever this thing is that we cooked in a microwave. Like this is great. Or, or cordless phones. You remember cordless, like the first cordless phone where like the antenna was this long? You remember what I'm talking about? And the phone, it was like this. It was like walking around like this. Like, hey girl, how you doing? Where you at? I'm just walking in the bedroom because I can because I don't have a cord. My grandmother, to this very day, she still has a phone on her wall with that long cord. She got this cord about a quarter of a mile long. You know what I'm talking about? She just, you just walk all the way around the house. She literally, she'd walk all over the house with this one cord. And we're like, Nanny, you can buy a cordless phone. Times have changed. It's changed everything. Or your first cell phone. You remember your first, you remember your first bag phone? We're on my bag phone. Yeah, you do. You thought you were sweet. You thought you was right rolling around with a bag phone. <laughs> Talking about, hang on just a second, girl. I remember my, one of my first jobs when we first got married. I had a pager and a cell phone. I would make people page me just so I could pick up my bag phone and call them. Where y'all at? <laughs> it changed everything. And then, and then it wasn't enough. I had a cordless phone. Then it had a cell phone. Now I don't even want to talk to anybody. I can talk to you anywhere, but now we're texting. You know what I'm talking about? Like it just changes everything. Like I don't even want to talk to you anymore. I can talk to you. I just want to write to you. <laughs> I, want to, I want to, don't, don't, you, you ever text somebody and then they call you? Don't do that to me. I'm texting you for a reason because I don't want to talk to you. Like this changed the way we communicate. I was skeptical at first, but now I'm on board. And I realized it changes my whole life. There's some people in this room who may be skeptical at first, but I got to get you to know this. It changes everything. Like nothing can stay the same. Jesus actually appeared to those disciples who were hiding, who were, who, who were thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I believe any of this. John 20 says it like this. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together, listen close, with the doors locked for fear. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. There's some people that are here today who you are hiding and locking the doors of your life for fear. Uh, may, maybe this isn't going to work out. Maybe, maybe the doors of your heart are, are, are locked because you're afraid. Maybe because of your past mistakes, you don't know what I've done. And so we lock the doors of our lives up for fear. 
What if somebody knows that my marriage isn't healthy? What if somebody knows I was raised in an abusive home? What if somebody knows I was molested? What if somebody knows that I got an alcohol problem? What if somebody, and we just lock our way, we just lock everything up, and we've been hurt. Maybe you've been hurt before, and you say, I'm, I can't trust anybody ever again. You're never going to get me again, and we lock up our heart. We lock away everything. We have trouble believing that we're ever going to change. So the best thing you know to do is just lock up and hide away. You may come to church. You may go through the motions. But you're hiding in fear that nothing's ever going to be different. That it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to have this struggle. Pastor, you don't know. You don't know what I've lived through. You, you, you don't know how. You, you're afraid your life will never have purpose, that you'll always be wandering around going, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go next. And the apostles are frightened for their life. What if we had been wrong? What if we told everybody he was God, come to us, and now he, he, he's still he's dead? What, what, if it, what if we're afraid? And so Jesus, I love this about Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to me. He does not ring the doorbell. He does not send a text and go, hey, I'm outside. If you can come and get me, I'm outside. You ever do that? You ever knock on somebody's door and they don't? And you, you didn't hear me beating on your door, but you heard that door, that you, like your phone's on silent. You heard me text you, huh? Okay. You know I've been out here the whole time. He didn't do none of that. The Bible says he just came and stood. He just, he just came and stood there past the locks of their fear. Past the doors of their doubt. Past the walls of anger and anxiety. He just gets right in the middle of their mess and stands. I love that about God. Because honestly, when you're locked up, you you don't even know if anybody can get to you. I don't know if anybody can fix this. I think it's the number one fear of every person in this room. I don't know if this will ever change. Jesus shows up right where they are in the middle of their mess because, write this down, Jesus is not in love with the future you. He loves you just like you are right now. Jesus is not in love with you that has it all together, that, that everything is right, that, that everything's okay, that there's no problems, that uh, you don't have any doubts, you don't have any fears. Jesus said, I'm not going to wait on you to unlock these doors and get all your stuff together, then I'll talk to you. Jesus said, no, 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 I'll just come right where you are right now. Listen to me. I think this is what he's doing today. I think you may have been raised in a church like I was raised in where I felt like I had to get good enough to get to God. I felt like I had to get all my life together. I had to get all my stuff together. And if I couldn't get it all together, God wouldn't accept me and He wouldn't love me. Listen to me. It took me to my 20s before I really opened my eyes and said, if this is what this is all about, I'm done with this. God, if this is who you are, I can't live up to this. I can't ever seem to get it right. And I realized He wasn't in love with a future version of me. He was in love with me just like I am right now with my issues, my anxieties, my addictions, my troubles, my bitterness. Everything that I have, Jesus just walks into the room and he wants you to experience his grace and peace in that room and that's my hope for you today Thomas is there we call him doubting Thomas because even when the, the, the women came and told him he said I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know if I believe this or not I don't know and, and Jesus shows up and he says you can trust me the Bible says he shows him the scars the, the, on his side where the spear was and his hands where the nails were 
Because it's something when you touch it for yourself, you don't have to understand it. I just know it works. The chairs that you're sitting in right now, nobody, not a soul in here saw these chairs being made. None of you know that you can trust the engineering. Was it correctly? Did, Did it come together right? Is this the right material? I don't know. Can I trust this? You just walked in here and sat down. You know why? Because it held you up. Today, I want you to know you don't have to know why or how, but it'll hold you up. But you can trust it to change everything in your life. Jesus tells Thomas what it is that I'm going to tell you today. And it seems simple. I know you're going to say, man, that sounds easy. But I promise you it really is this easy. Write this down. He said, Thomas, just stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. You say, I don't know if this is possible. Can I really believe? Henry, come play. In that moment, Thomas sort of makes his faith decision that I believe in the resurrection. Why? What changed, Thomas? They told you he rose from the dead. Yeah, 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 but I've seen it for myself. Like this really did change my life. And because of this, it can change everything in my life. Listen to me. Look look at me in the eyes. A simple believing that this event took place. Not that... Jesus was a good teacher. Not that he's a miracle worker. I believe he's all of those things. Not that he answers prayer. I believe he does. Not that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession. I believe all of that to be true. But the thing I'm trying to get you to stop doubting and believe today is that because he rose from the dead, everything can change in your life. Everything can change. A good teacher can't necessarily change your life. A miracle worker may not can change your life. But you were dead. And you rose again. And I feel dead. I feel like my marriage is dead. Maybe you're here today. I feel like my relationships are dying. I feel like I'm dying a slow death of depression. Death by 10,000 paper cuts. Bleeding to death. Smile on my face. Doors on uh, on my heart are locked up. I don't want anybody to know I'm hiding in fear that this is never going to change. And listen to me, this changes everything. Peter said it it changes everything. You say that can happen for me too. How easy is it to just stop doubting and believe? Well, I'll tell you what Romans says. Romans says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Christ from the dead, that you too can be saved. You mean He can save me from my fears? Yeah. You mean he can save me from 20 years of this struggle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you mean this could change really everything in my life, the thing that I thought would never get any better? Yeah, that thing. You mean he can really restore marriage that seems broken beyond repair? Oh, yeah. You mean he can give me joy back where I've been depressed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus wants to flip the switch on your life today if you will believe. I want you to grab that spiritual survey that you had right there. Everybody in the room, grab that survey and look at it. Nobody moving but our hosts. If you need a pen, they'll slide a pen in your hand because I'm going to get you to make a decision today. Listen to me. Look at me in the eyes. Stop doubting and just believe. Just believe in your heart that God really can change everything. If He can raise Jesus from the dead, He can really change my life. I want to help you 
make that kind of decision today. On the bottom of that spiritual survey, there's four blanks, A, B, C, and D, and here's what they stand for, and here's what I'm going to ask you to check, and in just a moment, we're going to pray. Here's A, I'm already in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Now listen, we chose these words very carefully. Because I think one of the callings of this church, I always dreamed of starting a church and being a part of a church, that people could come to church that they weren't necessarily lost, they were just wondering. I, I know I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm just not happy. I want you to be in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. That's why the first thing you see on that worship, God, is we want you to know God. I don't want you to know about God. I want you to know God. You say, well, this isn't me. This is my prayer. Honestly, our whole team has been praying for months about this next one. This is the one I hope a lot of you check today is, you know what? I, I haven't been, but today I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. If it's as simple as a prayer of believing in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if that would change everything, I'll do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to begin that today. Probably my favorite on the spiritual survey, people say, why do, you, why do you include this? This is my favorite is C. I don't know if I'm ready to make this decision yet. I'm still considering it. You, you, how many of you are C students in school? Where you at on my average? <laughs> Nothing wrong with a C on a row. Come on, somebody. I'm just considering it. It's okay. One of the things I love about this church is you don't have to have it right. You just have to be heading in the right direction. I'll keep coming back. I don't know if I believe this or not, but I'm considering it. And here's the last one. And, and honestly, this is the one that I, I pray about the most, but I, I'm, I'm smart enough to know there are probably people in this room who say, you know what, I don't plan on making that decision today. It's not ready. It hurts too much. Pain's too hard. Not going to do it today. It's okay. This church is for you too. For people who say, I don't know if I believe any of this. I'll just keep coming. I kind of like these people. and The preacher's good looking. Anyway, whatever. Where are you at? Thomas, just stop doubting and believe today. You feel like nothing's ever going to be any different in your life. I've been, I've been on this same soap opera 20 years, 25 years. Everything's the same. Nothing's going to change. Oh, no, 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 no. Easter changes everything. Bow your heads and close your eyes all over the room. Nobody moving for about two minutes. And if you're in the room today and you say, man, I know that feeling of locked up, hiding for fear. I need Jesus to walk into my life, past my hurts, past my fears. Today's your day. Every eye is closed. You just squeeze them tight and you, you pray this in your heart or you can whisper it out loud. And listen, I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it along with you. I'll give you some words. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe you. I don't understand you, but I believe you. God, if you can raise Jesus from the dead, I believe you can raise me up out of my dead situation out of my dead life, my dead marriage, my depression, my addiction, my bitterness, my anger, my hurt, my past, my pain. So I give you my whole heart today. Come on, if you've never said it, say it. I give you my whole heart today. All of my fears, all of my struggles, all of my sins, because Jesus paid for them, I give them all to you. 
Forgive me today. Cleanse me today. Make me new today. I'm beginning something new. I'm going to cast aside my doubt today. And I believe. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.